All right, cool. We're rolling. Welcome to L&D Plus, where learning is a team sport. I'm Tom, and in each episode, my co-host Joey and I will bring you real stories of collaborative learning from the world's leading startups. Today, we have two guests from Spendes representing the operations and people teams, Tom Morris and Lucy Warwood. As a spend management platform, Spendesk is all about helping companies streamline and simplify their expense systems. The challenge for L&D is to do the same for organizational learning and collaboration. During the COVID-19 pandemic, Tom and Lucy worked together to create, develop, and launch the Spendesk Academy with 360 Learning. That's not a plug, that's just a happy coincidence. (laughs) So far, it's been a real success for the company, but it's also come with a set of all too familiar challenges, including staying connected from a distance and building enough flexibility into learning programs. But before we get too ahead of ourselves, Tom and Lucy, how about you introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Tom. I'm the second Tom of uh, this episode. (laughs) I'm knowledge manager at Spendesk. Uh, I've been at the company for 18 months now. I arrived in November 2019. I'm part of the operations team, but I think I'm the most people-related of all the ops since I I work a lot with uh, the people team at Spendesk. And we are happy to have you with us. Hi, I'm Lucy. Uh, I joined Spendesk just over a year ago during lockdown, so that was very interesting. Um, and I'm in the people team, um, and I am a people partner for the tech teams. Um, but obviously, we also have um, projects to work on. So um, together with Tom, uh, we were put together to work on this project. Fantastic. Cool. Great. And I should just say again, if you're hearing this Tom voice, this is Tom the host and not Tom the guest. Um, the, Kiwi, the Kiwi accent is, is the host, Tom. Cool. So start with just with a nice general question um, for the two of you. So how did you both start working together on this project? Um, last year in April, if I remember it correctly, we started to work with uh, the head of people on our learning vision for, for Spendesk. So that it would be good to state why it was and uh, still is important. Uh, what is our learning strategy? What it means concretely for everyone? And we defined what were the, the stages of learning in particular. So we defined three, the ramp up phase when you just arrive at the company and want to learn how we work and who you'll be working with. Mm-hmm. We have the upskill phase when you want to become expert at your current role and, and pick up all the skills you need to. And finally, the evil phase when you may want to switch to a new role or to a new team. And uh, we also define the skills, uh, the, the types of skills we needed to to focus on. So we have the soft skills, the core knowledge, product and finance skills and knowledge, which are really important because we work for finance teams at our clients. Once we had done that, we thought, okay, what should we start with? And we decided to revamp the company Remper program. And this is where we started to work together with Lucy on this amazing project. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, I love how you define the three phases because most companies just probably stop at onboarding and call it a day. And and yeah, having thinking about it as like ramp up, upskill, and involve, evolve really like shows how you think about like the whole um, the spendesker. I don't know if that's how you call them, <laughs> uh, yeah, like a, a journey. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that that's really um, 
inspiring, I think. So was there a particular problem uh, you were trying to solve with this project or like uh, why did you choose to, you know, first address this ramp up part of the program? It was a good onboarding experience. And I, I think that's something mm -hmm. to highlight. It's always difficult to change things when they seem to be working. But it had <laughs> been true. designed, I think, like one or two years back, maybe one year, one year back. And there was no real ownership of this part. It was a bit of the CEO office and the ops team and the people team. Mm. And it just had grown, maybe not out of control, but more complex with time mm. because it was a nice suite of workshops. And okay, we have workshops and workshops and workshops. Onboarding means workshops <laughs> while the, this relationship is not obvious and necessary. Right. So this, there was both this format problem of having just workshops and the fact that we just added other mm. workshops without mm. thinking about the coherence of the mm. whole experience. So yeah. we decided to step us to take a step back. Uh, and especially with the COVID situation, uh, we thought that, okay, maybe there are some parts of the, of the ramp up experience that we never thought about before. Mm that we needed to address. And here, especially the social component of it was something that was a, a blind spot for us. And when we thought of all the newcomers that were isolated in their small rooms, we thought that, okay, we could do social stuff. And mm -hmm. we thought about the fact that, okay, are our workshops pandemic and remote friendly? Yeah. And so this was also part of the realization that we could revamp the program to make it a, a better experience. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, that kind of workshop creep, I think, is very real for anyone who's worked in a growing startup. Um, was this something that your leadership was sort of on board with as recognizing as a problem? And and if not, like, how did you get Spendius leadership to recognize it as a problem? Well, they were already aware just because um, we asked newcomers to fill in something called a discovery report mm. after their first um, mm. after their first month. And so we had a lot of feedback there, you know, talking about how many workshops there were. Um, and also, obviously, we have people uh, participating in the workshops who are part of the leadership team. So mm -hmm. um, even for them, I think it was obviously quite a lot of work. Um, and, you know, we've been growing quite a lot over the past 12 to 18 months. Um, and basically, if you don't keep an eye on things like that, um, then you know, it can become a bit of a problem. But we also had people working with us, um, like a dual leadership on the on the project. So we had our then head of people, Agnès Chauvigny, um, and um, we have our head of operations, Romain Delmesso, um, who was really there to kind of give us support, to bounce ideas around and to validate kind of key parts of that project. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, we had a really good, strong level of support from them, which really helped. Cool. Mm, yeah, I mean, the the C-level or like at least like upper management buy-in, it's super crucial for these kind of projects. Oh, yeah. I can imagine that, you know, you had a lot of like learning materials to work with already. Um, how did you decide then what to keep, what to retire, what to refresh like that? It's like a big, I think, pain point for most uh, L&Ds or training managers. I think it's here it's important to go back to the drawing board start from a fresh page because otherwise mm -hmm. the risk is to be drawn to what already existed and not to be able to to move to a new setting and mm -hmm. 
what we did was to organize uh, a few brainstorming sessions with a various set of spendeskers because uh, we're talking about the company ramp up experience here so we want to have different types of spendeskers to be in the room when we design it so from various teams for various countries from various levels of experience mm -hmm. and we asked them two questions like what do we want newcomers to take away from their first month at Spendesk. Mm -hmm. And once we had designed those pillars, which are mission, the product, market and positioning, tools and organization, we asked them, okay, now that we had those main themes, how in, in terms of both substance and format are we gonna convey the the yeah the, what what we want to the to the newcomers. And mm -hmm. once we had this uh, set of, uh, I mean, this wish list, <laughs> in a mm. sense, yeah. we, we just compared it to what we already had in store. Mm -hmm. And what was left to do was to fill in the gaps. And that took a few months and dozens mm -hmm. of contributors that are all very interested in contributing to the onboarding experience. Because when you had a good experience yourself, you want to, to contribute to to the experience of future newcomers, uh, but still, it was a small part of that job. So mm -hmm. we had some <laughs> weeping to do to make sure that they yeah, made I, the contribution. Would, that that's interesting, actually. If you can elaborate a bit more on, like, how did you encourage um, spendeskers to contribute to these, um, you know, authoring courses and like contributing to the content? Uh, maybe you can define a bit more the whipping that was involved <laughs> i'll let you define the whipping <laughs> we told them that we ha you are, you have to do that <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the onboarding experience is really important i think we all agree mm -hmm. and we had kind of a mandate with the brainstorming session that we have and the, the program that we had defined and mm -hmm. everyone i mean especially the leadership team took a look at our suggested program. And once we were happy with that, then, okay, we, the company agrees with the plan yeah. and you're the expert in this particular uh, set of the onboarding experience. So yeah. just make it happen. And then it's uh, um, asking them once a week or twice a week or three times <laughs> a week to contribute <laughs> their, their video yeah. article or or workshop uh, yeah. slides but okay great but i remember those workshop sessions and i remember i just started at spendesk and i do i was in the middle of doing my my onboarding and tom had organized the brainstorming sessions and they were actually really really good you know it was really interesting to see what came out of it it was the first time that i'd ever had an onboarding that i thought was so good mm. um so um yeah there were a lot of insights that came out of that super interesting cool so it sounds like it was first, um, again, like exact buy-in and then like trickle down to like individual owners and then giving them ownership and accountability uh, so that people are motivated to, to help out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like you had quite a job to um, streamline everything within one consistent program. Um, how exactly did you go about um, streamlining all of that content within the Sundance Academy? Well, I mean, we used a lot of Notion notes, um, you know, one-off training decks, um, and I think we'd pretty much seen their limits. Um, and basically the, well, the onboarding I thought was fantastic, but it's true that, you know, I think what we offered wasn't really 
good enough regarding kind of engagement and um, tracking you know it was really hard to know who had done what mm -hmm. um flexibility being able to allow people to autonomously move forward on certain aspects of the onboarding um, and just overall long-time maintenance really so that was one of the main reasons yeah. um and so it was everything to do with kind of logistics and just the quality of what we were giving mm. and then on the other side um the trainers i mean for them um it was you know obviously a lot of work um sometimes we had to move workshops around um it wasn't always very easy and we just thought that we could basically help them improve their experience mm -hmm. and their efficiency as well um and um yeah in terms of learning tools i mean when i arrived you know we we started kind of looking at benchmark and we we focused really early on it in the project actually we pretty much knew from the word go that we would want a learning tool mm. um but then obviously covid arrived yeah. <laughs> so we postponed a little bit um and then yeah eventually we we decided um to go with 360 learning um and basically we first we tested our company ramp up and it basically gave us the opportunity to kind of uh, track and monitor um, learning KPIs like NPS, um, employee satisfaction, and um, yeah, the engagement that we were driving um, for Spendeskers. Great. Which is great. And I mean, I'd really love to know what kind of feedback have you had from, um, from the trainers uh, from from the sort of initial results of these changes, like I mean, they must be pretty happy, I guess, to, to have less material to, to deal yeah. with. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we actually had some um, testers of the of the ramp up first, like when we first migrated everything onto Spanish Academy and they were we were asked to, you know, people who had already done the onboarding to test it mm -hmm. and they they thought it was great. Um, it's very different. And then we we had our first guinea pig of a newbie uh, who arrived in December, Stan. Um, and uh, yeah, and we obviously wanted to kind of feedback straight away. And mm. um, so we organized a feedback session. And then from that moment, we realized with Tom that at the beginning, it's really important to have feedback from the new Spendeskers mm -hmm. straight away, yep. pretty much as soon as they finish their onboarding. So yeah. we organized quite a lot of feedback sessions after you know the promotions we call them promotions they all arrive at the same time mm -hmm. every two weeks um so yeah just to kind of get their feedback straight away um and you know honestly i think the feedback's been super positive always things to change mm -hmm. you know uh, for on our side and we are actually constantly improving with tom the company mm -hmm. um ramp ups to make it even better but yeah globally we've had um really good really good feedback great. So that's great um to me the the most interesting piece of feedback i received was when uh, a newcomer told me that he he felt like he already knew me while he had only <laughs> interacted with me through through the platform wow. but he had heard my my voice and there was an open question through which i um, answered in a, in a personal fashion. I mean, some mm -hmm. of newcomers think that I'm a bot, maybe that I have a set <laughs> in a flurry of automated answers, but no, I, I take a look at uh, each submission and, and make personalized feedback. So with mm -hmm. all of that, they, they thought that I already knew me well, uh, they were just discovering me in, uh, in flesh and blood three, <laughs> three months later. So that's really interesting because there may be um, a fear around that, like, okay, yeah, but we're moving from workshops to a more asynchronous approach. So aren't we losing some personal touch? 
Mm. Yes, yeah, on purpose, a personal mm. touch with, with newcomers. And so one, it's not necessarily the case because it's maybe very personalized when you speak through videos and have some interactions on the platform in the in the comments, for instance. Yeah. So of course, making newcomers feel welcome is something super important. But maybe yeah. you need to think about specific formats and events and meetings and um, experiences that will help with that. Mm-hmm. That is so true. I've never actually thought about it this way. Like there are two sides to an onboarding, like the the personal level, feeling welcome, almost more emotional aspect, and the like maybe more operational or technical aspect, which is to absorb as much useful, essential information as a newcomer needs. De- definitely, I, I emphasize the the knowledge part when I talked about the uh, company ramp up phase. We both want them to take away some some important insights from their onboarding, mm-hmm. but we also want them to feel welcome and part of mm. the Spendus community. Yeah. So yeah. both of them are equally important. Mm. I think especially during this last year and year or, or year and a half in particular, um, you know, it's, it's an experience that so many people are going through. Like, how do you welcome people? How do you connect with people when you're all, um, you know, so atomized and working in yeah. different parts of the world? And, yeah, mm. yeah. and in a way, I, I feel like, you know, the fact that you can, you know, make the knowledge sharing part of it asynchronous or like scalable it l- frees you up more time to do the personal stuff because you don't have to do the workshop every single time again and again it gives you more time to do the personal responses you can like actually chat with people on mm. a personal level um and so that's that's really yeah. i think um wonderful so um well if we like talking talking about like how ambitious this whole project is and you know it's great on one hand that you know you can draw from each other's skills and experiences you know Tom and Lucy coming from you know the operation side and the people side um, but I think it also takes a lot of close coordination and making sure you don't step on each other's toes um, h- how did you clarify the, the the separate but like complementary scopes on, on this project it, it was a really big challenge actually when arriving. I remember, you know, Tom and Anya said to me, "Oh, you're going to be working on a, on the, uh, on the LMS," and um, it was really exciting. But yeah, there were obviously a lot of different things to do. It was, yeah, it took us a while. Basically, we brainstormed um, once we knew that we were going with Spendesk Academy. We brainstormed around, you know, kind of. Um, identifying a roadmap with key milestones. Um, We really realized that basically we needed clear scopes so as not to walk on each other's toes and to move forward efficiently on what we, you know, and how we were gonna get to these milestones. Um, But the split, to be honest, was done actually pretty naturally based on our roles. You know, Tom was, um, for example, a lot more with configuring the platform, um, you know, Mm. around kind of, well, he's an operations, so basically around more of like the project management side of things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas I was more on kind of onboarding managers. Um, we also kind of um, had each other's back as well mm-hmm. and were each other's backups throughout even today. Um, so I think that really helped, you know, we kind of bounced ideas around each other. So we weren't kind of on our own, on our different scopes. We were constantly you know, making sure that we saw each other every week. We had, I don't know how many meetings we had, Tom, per week. Too many. Um, <laughs> too many. <laughs> He's fed up for me now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we, we definitely had this very, very close relationship where we were constantly telling each other what was going on and just to get second opinions and, and you know, deal with trickier questions. 
Um, so yeah, so you know, naturally we, we kind of did create these roles which, which made us move forward together <laughs> and made it a lot more efficient. And it sounds like you're both taking care of a piece of the puzzle that couldn't have succeeded without the other, like, you know, the, the, the foundation of the platform working and like, you know, all the mm. configuration and making sure that, you know, things are, are running. And then the people side that, you know, people are involved and actually engage yeah, and wanted totally. to, to participate. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tom was, was a lot more kind of on the content creation as well. Um, you know, kind of working with the people who so we created groups of people who were obviously working on certain different um, topics. So Tom would really kind of facilitate that and make sure, you know, kind of soft management where you'd follow, you know, that that creation of this content that we were putting on Spandex Academy. Mm -hmm. The whipping part, once again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Tom's really good at that. Um, <laughs> yeah, obviously it was all of these different kind of pieces of the puzzle that um, we had to kind of make sure that we were both aligned on what we were doing and knew exactly what we were doing but yeah mm. the roles were pretty pretty clear from the get-go to be honest great and i was wondering mm. if tom like you had some uh challenges or tips on like how you coached your content creators because it might not be like mm. natural for everybody to share what they're great at doing um it's one thing to be an expert and another thing to be a great you know teacher in a way um did you encounter any like uh best practices or you know, ways that you kind of helped these experts like share their knowledge with the whole company? Yeah, I, I, I tried a few complementary approaches. Mm -hmm. So we had regular I mean, synchronization meetings with them, with the author crew, so that they could share their, their questions and get feedback from each other. So it was one way. Another one was to, for myself, to compile a list of good practices and guidelines in a in a Notion note. So this is my author playbook that I share to to new to new authors. Okay. I also created a group, a dedicated group and dedicated course on 360 learning. Authors could learn more about the platform and how to successfully leverage it mm -hmm. on 360 learning itself. Yeah, I think you just have to iterate. I'm not sure the authoring experience is done and we'll have to <laughs> iterate on that because mm. yeah, we're it's not an just ongoing learning focusing yeah, on the, of course, here we're talking about the creation and launch of the Spendesk Academy, but yeah. it's also something that we have to maintain, mm -hmm. make yeah. useful mm. in the long run. And, mm. and you have to think about the authors in like separate onboarding path. It's too easy to just focus and, and be obsessed with the learners and thinking, okay, well, what's going to happen with them? Mm -hmm. What will they be able to learn? So, but authors are equally important and you have to think about a, yeah. a complete user journey for them mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. True, yeah. I think it's difficult because it depends a lot on, on authors, yeah. don't you, to, to, you know, kind of add to the platform and... And they also have their jobs um, yeah. They have yeah. on the side. Definitely. And so there's a lot of dependencies. I think that was a massive challenge, wasn't it, Tom, in, in kind of, you know, following people day to day, making sure 
they you know they get the content there on time because we we did like a learning wednesday where every wednesday we'd publish you know on slack uh on our um company general channel mm-hmm. uh, the new content so if the content wasn't ready for that date <laughs> then obviously it meant that we couldn't publish our learning wednesday yeah. post um, and get people kind of engaged onto that platform mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i think that's a massive challenge with them um, with you know the kind of the author side of things yeah I, I love how you talked about like there's a whole different journey for the authors and you almost need a separate onboarding to get them um, not on board to the company, but on board to the idea and their roles as authors um, that they have to like the role they have to play to share their knowledge, how mm-hmm. and then uh, all the tools they need to know how to use and um, get them on board. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, really impressed with, you know, how you've been able to pull that off. For sure. And and I guess speaking on that theme of, you know, iterative development and, and continuous feedback, um, it sounds like for the two of you, this project has been a real success. But would there be anything that, you know, if you had the chance to do it, it all over again, is there anything you would do differently, you think, looking back? Um, on my side, I think I would try to find uh, a few different formats to, mm-hmm. I mean, or tools to to help create content um, mm-hmm. because we're really focused on videos and mm. I think that's great and and the platform is is designed that way mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. maybe we could have pushed complementary tools to make it even more diversified in terms of learners experience mm-hmm. those are things that maybe you want to start almost right away to leverage mm-hmm. because then it, it will be harder to go back to the authors and you know, yeah. tell them that, okay, the way that you worked is, was great, but maybe you can improve it and you have to learn something new and, and very different. Yeah. So that, that would be one point that, I mean, we'll, we'll manage yeah. to, to make that switch later on. Yeah. And maybe we could have identified other pieces of content and themes that could appeal to everyone at Spendesk uh, and especially the engineering tribe, which is the second biggest team at Spendesk. Yeah. Right, right. They're not really engaged with the platform. I mean, when mm. I talk to engineering managers, they tell me <laughs> that it's uh, linked to the personality traits and uh, and the, the, yeah, the way that engineers work. But mm-hmm. I think mm. we could have tried to find the the bait that could work with them right from the beginning. Well, on my side, it would, and that kind of links in with what you were saying, Tom, about, you know, how the engineering tribe aren't really kind of using it as much as we'd like, Um, maybe more marketing uh, around the project to push push Spendesk's engagement, like to get onto Mm -hmm. that platform. And um, like, for example, we had loads of ideas with Tom, we were gonna send goodies. Um, We had ambassadors, um, so from different teams to kind of um, create first an engagement around the project, trying to bring people Mm -hmm. onto the platform. But I think we could have gone a lot further with the role of the ambassadors. I would have imagined, I don't know, like um, kind of like an ambassador uh, ball on the table saying I'm an ambassador <laughs> or a balloon or something like that, uh, you know, to, so that we can easily identify them. Could have trained them maybe a lot more so that they could also have helped myself and Tom deal with, you know, if people didn't understand things, it wouldn't just be us that we could yeah. really create a real community mm-hmm. of people that were able to kind of answer questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, because COVID and not having everyone at the office, that was that was 
that was a lot more difficult. And so we decided that we would just do things a little, little mm. bit more simply. But also, obviously, that you know, we depend a lot on the managers to bring people onto the mm. platform as well. Um, you know, we uh, we did a f- few videos and we did a manager session as well, you know, to try and get their feedback. You know, we try and really onboard the managers so that they also feel responsible for the project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially the, the, the staff team. So, you know, that was one of our ways of trying to trying to get people onto that platform and engage them a little bit more. Yeah. And I wonder if the format video was one of the reasons that um, the engineering team was not catching on as much as you would like them to, because different formats speaks to different people and some Mm -hmm. people are not as comfortable or uh, involved with videos. And yeah, so so that um, providing different. Do you mean as learners? Uh, I think both maybe like uh, just like being on videos and also watching videos like some Mm -hmm. people prefer text and uh, bullet points or you know different types of ways to absorb information that's a good point you're definitely thinking of it in the right way when you're when you talk about diversifying tools and formats yeah true because um, I mean they're not the most engaged group uh, as learners (laughs) <laughs> on the on the Spendesk Academy, but as authors, they seem to to like the tool pretty much. And yes, when they're authors, they never use videos. Mm. <laughs> they make very interesting, well structured notes, but yeah. they don't use videos. So maybe as learners, they would also prefer to read notes mm-hmm. instead mm. of watching a lot of yeah, videos. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, they did do the best the best video that we did as a welcome video we did a, a video for each t- team was the engineering right, team right. so at least that you know i mean <laughs> very funny right and um well i mean it sounds like you've already made a lot of progress and um and there's still a lot that you wanted to improve and achieve like uh, what do you say w- will the future of spendes academy look like um in the in the next year or or so i think for a good part of it it's it will come um, in an organic fashion mm-hmm. because here there is a flywheel that is spinning faster and faster. So you go to the Spendesk Academy as learner and maybe you, you get a, a nice experience, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And then you, when you have a training project, you think about using the platform mm. to host your, mm-hmm. your, your training. So. I have two to three conversations every week with potential authors who would like to create some courses or programs on the platform. So I think it will awesome. continue that way for, for a while. Mm-hmm. So, and that's also why when you're launching the platform, a piece of advice would be to, to set the standards pretty high because yeah. if we hadn't been uh, very rigorous in what we wanted to achieve about the, the mm. quality of mm-hmm. content we wanted to see on the platform, then authors wouldn't be as rigorous themselves. When you've mm-hmm. seen well-designed courses, you want to create well-designed courses. Or yeah. Yeah. You've seen that happening, so yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want to recreate that experience. Mm. Uh, on the contrary, if you've seen that, I don't know, potential, I mean, previous authors just put unedited videos of one hour, I mean, one hour long unedited <laughs> videos on the platform and yeah. and one yeah. question or didn't bother to to change the 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 picture that describes the course. I mean, mm-hmm. very 
small details, but very important yeah. details like that, then yeah. other authors wouldn't do it themselves. It's like a standard. I'd really love to, to dig into just sl- just slightly more, Tom, which is, I mean, you mentioned earlier um, the techniques you had to use to sort of whip people and, and encourage them to contribute um, to, the, to these courses. And now I guess there's the flip side of that, which is once people do contribute, like what's your role to ensure a consistent and acceptable standard of quality? I guess, how was that experience, um, you know, for you as knowledge manager coming in and actually having to, um, to help coach people to, to reach that standard? It's not that painful, okay. <laughs> so I think here what, what may be interesting for listeners is if I describe the, the onboarding flow I have for the authors. Mm-hmm. So first, the fact that if you want to create content, you need special authoring rights makes right. it natural that they come to me and say, OK, can I create content on a platform? So here mm-hmm. I have a meeting with every one of them. So we'll mm-hmm. see how we'll, we'll scale that. But uh, <laughs> at the moment, I take 30 minutes with each potential author. I mm-hmm. ask them, what is your plan? And mm-hmm. I ask them, what do you need to have your course or, or program on the Spendesk Academy? Mm-hmm. Because maybe it would work better in, in, in real life yeah. or as a notion <laughs> note and not necessarily a course. Mm-hmm. And I show them the platform from the author perspective. And mm-hmm. once we agree that it's a good fit for them, so it's, mm-hmm. okay, there's a good fit between the Spendesk Academy and what they want to create. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give them the authoring rights. Yeah. I'll add them to the author group on the platform and send them the links to both the, the author dedicated course and to the author playbook that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then once they will have completed their first draft, they'll send it to me and I'll make some comments and and yeah. give them some additional guidelines and best practices. And mm-hmm. it works pretty well for the moment. I think it's good to to remind um you know, people who are trying to replicate this, that, you know, there is the um, there is a certain level of standard that you wanted to set so that, you know, people are not sloppy and it's not just, okay, since you're so mm-hmm. desperate to get people on the platform that whatever uh, people want to throw in there, you would accept. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance to, to maintain like attracting yeah. enough people mm-hmm. versus exactly. like keeping the quality high. Yeah. You have to be firm on your principles at some point. So, for instance, I would never say yes to the idea some people have. And it's natural that, okay, we have those uh, keynotes or, I mean, recordings of meetings. Yeah. And we think we could just port it to the Spendesk Academy, right? And I I tell them, no, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. meant for that. You're yeah. not going to just take a one-hour video and store it. It's not a yeah. storage platform. <laughs> It's a learning platform with specific features and a specific and architecture, specific aims. So maybe you can edit that one hour video and make it, uh, yeah. Uh, digestible. Yeah, digestible and, and very suitable for, for the platform. But otherwise, no. I um, think the fine line between knowing what to put on Notion and what to put on Spendesk Academy is also like super important. Mm-hmm. Like um, mm. what what is the difference between, you know, we have a lot of kind of Notion pages that explain things with processes and, you know, learning as well via Notion. So mm-hmm. what how do, what do we keep on Notion and what do we put on Spendesk Academy and how do we make them work together? Yeah. Um, so I think that was also 
a bit of a challenge as well. Yeah. And something we we explain when we launched the platform, something mm-hmm. I would advise. Um, mm. Yeah, your, your but listeners. people keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, listeners yeah, who would start implementing a, a learning management system, it, it won't happen in a vacuum. I'm sure they mm-hmm. already have other tools that they're using for learning and knowledge sharing purposes. So yeah, a legitimate true. question from their teammates would be, okay, but what will it change? Why do we need an additional tool? And I made mm. it clear when we launched the platform that, okay, we have the reference and documentation parts uh, of our knowledge base on Notion, but the upskilling moment where you're really learning something new mm. and getting up to speed on a specific topic, it will happen on the Spendesk Academy. And yeah. we have to think about the connections from one tool to the other. So mm. we need to place links to the relevant courses on Notion Notes. And on the other side, at the end of a given course, mm-hmm. I tell authors, do not forget to put resources. So once the course is done, I don't expect learners to watch that course two times a day. It's sure. almost like the Notion is like the textbooks and then the learning platform is yes, yes, the classroom. This is, exactly. This is <laughs> yeah, what that's I do. it. That's exactly it. He's so happy. Look. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm going to... Uh, modifying my, my answer, uh, I use the, the analogy of a textbook and a dictionary. Mm. You're mm. not going to learn English by sifting through a Merriam-Webster dictionary. Mm. I mean, maybe some people learn it that way, but uh, I'd be surprised. Yeah, but textbook gives context. But even amazing uh, English speakers and French speakers, etc., still use dictionaries. It happens. Quite often, Notion is a dictionary and the Spanish Academy is a textbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I mean, we've covered, um, I guess, so much ground in this discussion. And thank you both so much for your contributions. Um, if, you, if you're thinking back on the project from sort of start to finish, what is like, one key takeaway you'd really love for our listeners to remember about this project? Mm-hmm. I think there's two things. One is to scope out the project in detail as much as possible, mm. um, you know, and um, making sure that the roles of each person are clear um, so that, you know, you know where you're going, how you're getting there and who's going to do what, because there is a lot of things to consider and a lot of things to take into account. And the second thing would be um, identify your dependencies. Mm. Um, that means that you, so myself and Tom work together, but we also depended on a lot of other people. Um, also what Tom was saying about authors really getting out that, that content on to spend this academy on time, making sure it's of good quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so you are kind of the people pushing the project along. Um, but obviously you depend on a lot of people yeah. to help you get there. So just making sure that the people that you're working with know what they're doing, what we expect from them mm-hmm. and, um, that you're aware kind of on, of the timeline that is suitable for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's definitely two things that I would the two key takeaways cool you said one but (laughs) (laughs) more jams the better exactly thanks so much to tom and lucy for joining us if you're looking for more great collaborative learning stories be sure to subscribe to lnd plus wherever you get your podcasts and check out our show notes for more lnd content from 360 learning thanks for listening see you next time bye